there's a few like remains of the day i've read more times that i can count love that thing it's Go back and forth. Well, I think we're life. <laughs> yeah, and, and you caught us in another liter literature conversation. Um, Jessica, it's a pleasure to have you Thanks. here with us. Um, yeah. Aaron is somewhere, I think in Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. Yep. He went for his mom's birthday and he mentioned it, I think, when was it? He mentioned it like two months ago and I think kind of expected me to remember. I'm like, I, I struggled to remember my mom's birthday. <laughs> Hey, let alone your mom's birthday. Um, yeah. So I'm here instead. But you're here instead. Yeah. And uh, and that's delightful always. So thank you for jumping in with us. Um, and then this week, so I have to now think for a moment like Aaron, because usually I just ramble and he holds everything together. And, <laughs> you know, uh, that's his gift to the world. Um, we're in a series in the Sermon on the Mount. And yeah. we got to talk Beatitudes. Yeah. Um, so... So let me ask you a question. Like we've tried to nudge this conversation around um, the Beatitudes to maybe have people read them a little bit differently. Um, when you've wrestled with the Beatitudes, how have you wrestled with them? And, and maybe even give a reminder of what the Beatitudes are for people that haven't caught up. With um, that. Yeah, actually, let me read it really quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. I brought a Bible today. If I can find the right passage in a timely manner. <laughs> Yeah, there's that whole there thing about no dead air, right? You got to right. keep rambling even if you got nothing to say. So Matthew chapter 5, starting verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Mm -hmm. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's this this list of all these different things like how have you read like firstly as a preacher yourself mm -hmm. when you think about opening a sermon i don't know how you think about <laughs> opening a sermon um like i'm usually like my goal is like get people to laugh uh -huh. i don't know I just maybe it's my own discomfort with <laughs> with any serious conversation when you when you preach what what, what kind of openings do you try and craft I mean, I know I was taught to have, like, this snappy opening story <laughs> that, like, grabs attention. I don't feel like I've ever, like, done that. Yeah. Um, I, I think at South, I always have to start by introducing myself. <laughs> and explaining, <laughs> so people that, know why I'm explaining there. that you don't care for the pastors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> explaining that I don't take care of the pastors is my job. Um which kind of like dims the punchy impact of a, <laughs> starting with a big story. Um, maybe, maybe as you do, because I think this is this whenever you the next time is a be third time or fourth time, right? Fourth, yeah. So yeah, maybe at that point you just have to. I can just jump right. Say, in. You know what? I'm just going to assume you know who I am. Yeah. Um, I the church I attended in college. Um, one of the pastors would memorize the passage mm. um, that he was preaching from. They always do like the expository, yeah, like go yeah. through the text style of preaching. 
And he would stand up there and he would recite it. Beautiful. Uh, which I had never seen that done before. And that was actually very engaging. Did you go to Cherry Hills? No. No. Uh, it was Santa Barbara Community Church in oh, Santa Barbara, when California. You, oh, when so, yeah, when, not when you were a seminary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jim but, Dixon at Cherry Hills used to do that. He would do that, too. Yeah, he, he memorized it. That was like yeah. his big thing of the week. He would like memorize the passage and write sermons. Like that was like, yeah. That yeah. Was, um, yeah, I had never like heard that yeah. done before. I heard like, you know, starting with the passage being read for sure, but not like yes. spoken yes. in an engaging way with like thoughts and uh-huh. inflection and everything yeah. and hearing scripture like that. That was a really cool yeah, I used to be quite growth thing for me. I love that. I used to be quite critical of guys that I'd hear like <laughs> they'd get up and read the passage and it would sound like they'd never read it before in their <laughs> lives. That like stumbling over all of the news. that word. And then there's been a few times for me where I've just been it's been a busy enough week that I've certainly read it multiple times, but I've never actually gone through and to say pronounced specific things. Iconium? L- like l- Lysanestra? <laughs> um pamphlet pamphlet <laughs> that's where they invented the pamphlet clearly um yeah it just so i think that that has always just struck me that actually having read the passage out loud is is a nice yep practice for <laughs> yeah. preparing um yeah i mean at this point though jesus has already like built a following people yeah. already like clearly want to hear yes. him and be around him yes and from my understanding, it was a oral culture where listening to someone's teaching was like a big deal. Yeah. It was an event. It yes. was like, yeah, not I, like a, you have all these options that you're going to flip through and like, you can stop after 10 seconds. Yeah. Like totally. people may or may not have already done it for us, but he already had that engagement and buy-in. And then I'm sure as he went through, there was just more and more like, is he really saying this? Yes, I think that's got to be the, the case. Like I, I, someone said to me uh, a while back, like, why can't we have like a revival like, like, like John Wesley had, um, you know, where he would well, travel from like place to place on horseback. And there were stories about him like using his dad's gravestone as a pulpit and stuff like that. And like, you know, people would gather. I'm like, do you think that still works in like 20 whatever it was, 2023, 2022 at the time. Like, I mean, 1770s is not as much to do. Right. A, a street preacher was at least good entertainment. Right. With a very different culturally religious approach. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, Wesley did, it. you know, introduce a pretty different approach in Methodism yeah. as opposed to the other options at the time. Um, yeah, also... God doesn't necessarily send a John Wesley or a Charles Wesley every generation. No, they were pretty incredible. At guys. least to the same geographic area. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I, have I told you the story about how my when I was born, my grandma said to my other grandma, he's going to be John Billy Graham Wesley, <laughs> which was a heck of a thing to live up to. And yeah, when I found out at like six, um, I didn't really know who they were, I guess then. But, but certainly as I got older, I was like, oh, yeah. So I just have to travel all over the world and preach to millions of people, do a few hundred thousand miles on horseback, <laughs> and perhaps write some hymns as well. That was yep. a, it was a stretch, but I do I do like Jesus' entry into this does intrigue me because uh, I do I do think <laughs> like it almost feels you know like the classic spit take 
uh-huh. where, where someone says something and you like you cough out everything you're trying to drink because it feels like starting off blessed of the poor in any oh. society would be like <laughs> what yeah um especially if you read the beatitudes as we've been encouraging p aaron and i have encouraged people to read them so like if, how would you feel about talking through that way of reading is that how you read them actually would be a good question how have you tended to read them um over the years so the main way of interpretation that i've heard Mm -hmm. there's the this is kind of like a checklist yeah we'll turn around as a checklist yeah best of luck but try as hard (laughs) as you can to do (laughs) and some of them are really hard to do that yeah Yeah, like when it says bless are the poor you need to go be (laughs) poor Blessed are those yes. who mourn. You need to go yeah. mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. You need to go be meek. Uh-huh. You need to be salt and light. You need to go get persecuted. You need to yeah. um, literally turn the other cheek. All in on this is the blueprint. Yeah. Um. I've also heard this is like a really beautiful picture that's unattainable and jesus meant to be unattainable yes. because then we know our need for grace totally, yeah uh good old, good old Calvin. Like, don't actually go like turn your other cheek <laughs> when you get slapped <laughs> in the face um and then we also have the uh, interpretation that we're taking yeah. in this series of it's an invitation yes and i think the other one i've heard in the midst that An is, illustration of the kingdom is the pathway yeah. one yeah. Like the like first like like everyone like the poor in spirit is, oh, you get to recognize your need for God. And the mourn is, oh, then you realize how much you need God. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, the meek is realize you're powerless to do that. Oh, then you got a hunger and thirst for God's righteousness, and then it leads you all the way there. Yeah. Um I, I like for me the wrestling there has been if and even the approach we've taken, like all of them to really feel like you've understood them cognitively feel like you mental gymnastics a little bit a little bit um and so we as a staff had the opportunity a few weeks ago to uh here's steve yeah. <laughs> excuse me recite this from memory uh-huh not just the beatitudes but the whole sermon whole thing. Out, yeah. which was incredible um and i i had a moment i don't remember if it was while we were listening or as we were kind of processing after but just this thought of like, if you take this as a checklist, mm-hmm. so, okay, first learn how to be poor and or poor in spirit yeah, and then work on the, and then work on this and then work on this. And like, like that's impossible. It feels like it. It yeah. feels like it probably yeah. like for all intents and purposes on in your lifetime, it is impossible. Like yes. there's always going to be like a, you did super well at like meekness mm-hmm. one month and then you started focusing on like being the light of the world and then you got like bad at meekness again or something. Yeah. Um. And then it was followed by it. But is that the intention for this just yes. to be a do all the things to be like the ultimate follower of Jesus? Yeah. And it doesn't seem like. It doesn't seem like that's the heart of it. Uh huh. To just like add more stuff. Yes. Yeah, that, that feels like it's it's off base. But it also like the interpretation of it's just an illustration and a nice like high bar mm-hmm. 
it gives you a great out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really does. Yeah, but it yeah. also doesn't seem like that's how God's teaching and commands in Scripture works. It, like even yes. the law, which extremely difficult, if not impossible, depending uh-huh. on their interpretation. For God's people to follow by themselves, which is why there were sacrifices yeah. built into it. Like, he knew that we would fail. Yeah, yeah. He knew that there was an ultimate fulfillment uh-huh. in himself. Yeah, yeah. But he still expected them to, like, do it. <laughs> that, the, yeah, that that seems like that was definitely the expectation. So, yeah, there's the tension of, is this supposed to be, like, okay, well, you just got to, like, pull your, like mm-hmm. get, be a better person and yeah. or Christian. And, like, this is, like, this is the be pathway to likeness or don't worry about it. Just like repent more. Like uh-huh. you'll be good. Yeah. It's neither and or both in a little uh-huh. bit without like a specific. Yes. And this is the exact answer. It's kind of this is nebulous, mysterious, but this is still the way. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, the encouragement for me has been those points where I find it difficult and I want to resist, mm-hmm. why? Yeah. Like, what is the resistance or attraction to something else that seems so much better or worthwhile or mm-hmm. a, a better way to live? Yeah. Like, um, blessed are those who mourn. I feel like I do an okay job of morning now i didn't used to but like okay job of experiencing those emotions and mourning for and with those who mourn yes like 100 percent perfect probably not but like you know yeah okay yeah i do it (laughs) i let myself feel my feelings Uh i encourage other people to feel their feelings and like walk with that with jesus because i only feel positive feelings (laughs) (laughs) balance each other out on staff um but there are other things like if Jesus says actually go be poor and we live in a middle class suburb in Colorado, yes. it's like, oh crap, what does what that does mean? What does look like? Like, um, should we all be homeless? I don't want to. Or um, like, the, so you showed the Orkin Ducks briefly after they defeated the yes. Colorado um, in your illustration on Sunday. And I'm an Oregon State Beavers fan, so the Ducks are our mortal enemies. <laughs> Um, and I, I forgot that when I showed it, it was simply because they beat the, uh, yeah. Rams the week before. So I was watching from home cause I had hurt my back and we oh, couldn't yeah. be there, but I, uh, reflexively booed. Um, and then immediately thought, maybe that's how I need to practice loving my enemies. Maybe, I don't know. But I also don't want to cause I want them to lose. <laughs> yeah, totally. I lose badly yeah, and be out yeah. of the 25 you, and like. You probably feel not the, get any money from the pact. You probably feel the same as I do about that, uh, as I feel about Ohio State. Like I genuinely loathe Ohio State, even the yeah. colors. We we, so the practice in my family has been like, if a Pac-12 team is playing for any kind of like big game against anyone else, especially if they're in the SEC, you root for them to win. While the Pac-12 is still in existence yeah. for a couple more months. Yeah. <laughs> Unless there's the Oregon Ducks and then you want them to lose. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Regardless like of what it costs. <laughs> it's like, yeah. 
actually like this is a ridiculous example and uh-huh. extremely low stakes example. Like the Absolutely. only one affected by this is me. Beautifully low stakes. This podcast but, is here for low stakes. Right, right. <laughs> low stakes are a great entry point. Um, but it also feels like a cost. Yeah. To have to let go of that desire for, I guess, justice. Yeah, I don't think you should let go. I don't think that's what God is saying. In this. I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe it's what he's saying to you. Uh, yeah, uh, but yeah. some of those moments are like having that like, oh, that might actually be a practical application for yes. me to love my enemies and turn the other cheek and uh-huh. not let this like take up so much space. Yes. But I don't want to. I want to continue like mm-hmm. rooting against them as much as I have. But like maybe again, very low stakes. Maybe that's an opportunity where God wants me to like actually mm-hmm. practice this and I'm, not. I'm so just, intrigued. Like, I'm gonna test this by bringing in like Oregon Ducks posters for you in your office and stuff like that, just to see how far I don't, God like, can ask you to <laughs> commit to this. See, see what happens when they play against each other after Thanksgiving, and then how I respond after. I love it. That good old rivalry week. I, so I, <laughs> I think the thing that for me like pushed me over the edge of the the Beatitudes is just a thing to do because because I think like it's it's really clear, especially in the light of how Jesus teaches that some of them are now virtues. Mm-hmm. Like being merciful is something that elsewhere Jesus specifically teaches as a virtue. Yeah. So so I can really get on board with some of them are definitely virtues. Like especially the bottom four, I would say. And it feels like, and, and this is the hard part, I think, to ever, to, uh, to ever explain to anyone that's never read the New Testament in Greek. Mm-hmm. That like you, you know, there's almost no punctuation. Yeah. As you know, there's like everything's capitalized. No spaces. No spaces. Yeah. You, you're just like figuring it out as you go. Um, and that's why Bible translation is so hard. Uh, and, and you, it seems though like there's two groups. Like there's 36 words, I think, in the first four Beatitudes, 36 in the second mm-hmm. four Beatitudes. It feels like they kind of grouped the first four it's almost got an alliteration to it in Greek. I think it all uh, begins with the same letter. So I think like some of them I can say are virtues, but at the time I wonder whether they were always considered virtues. Like, like when I read blessed are the merciful, imagine if your country's been taken over. Yeah. That, that could be a bit of an insult. It's almost like, yeah, blessed is the, the guy that sees a Roman walking down a dark street and doesn't, have the courage to do what's right right and i mean you know the parable of the good samaritan blessed are the merciful that's being in that's yes. like living the kingdom it is in the way of jesus with the heart of jesus and that was like the why would you ask us to uh-huh. do the, are you serious yeah totally so so i think yeah. yeah it feels like for some people the readings weren't necessarily positive in the day yeah but when you read like blessed are the poor in spirit and Luke kind of provocatively, he has this different take. He just says, blessed are the poor. Yeah. Blessed are the down and outs. Yeah. Um, I, to me, like, I started to lose my belief that you could read all of them just as try and do this. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe, like, can we explain to people why Luke is a little different than Matthew? Like, because it feels like they should be the same to me. But they're not, are they? Well, they're not. Um. There's, I think it's Luke 6. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good thing I brought my Bible. Um, 
yeah, Luke 6, starting in verse 17, um, he kind of recaps not even all of the Beatitudes yeah. that show up in Matthew, but some of them, including, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for mm-hmm. you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. And then he moves on to woes, yeah. including woe to you who are rich. Which makes the poor thing like a little bit more. Yeah, like, it's yeah, very, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, there are a few interpretations of what's happening uh-huh. here. One interpretation is that these are two different sermons happening. Like, you know, Jesus had three years of ministry. Yeah. Everything he did, like as John says, is not uh-huh. included in these books. Yeah. Um, you know. He probably said the same things in different ways multiple yeah. times and to different that, people. That even for a Western like person that's grown up in the church with a very strong sense of like Jesus' divinity mm-hmm. causes some like conundrums and conundrums of like, well, shouldn't he have said it the same way every time? Like, shouldn't right. he have been like so like locked in that he was like, no, it's just this. Yeah. Um, like, here's the. <laughs> We're getting it really clear. Um, I mean, I think. It's definitely easy, okay, as like Americans uh-huh. in the twenty first century, regardless of what you do or don't have, like we still have a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um it's definitely easy to go with the Matthew version and go like, but this is what he meant. <laughs> poor so in spirit. Is. It's like that moment, it's like it's like blessed are the poor. What in spirit? Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, like, oh, good. I'm, I'm good. Whew. I don't have to sell anything. I don't, have to there. More. I don't have to, like, rethink some stuff. It feels um, like something I do, like, looking at the facial reactions of the crowd. <laughs> Be like, blessed are the poor. That didn't go down in well. Spirit? Like, oh, in spirit? <laughs> in spirit. Like, sorry. Yay. But Jesus is obviously very intentional. Yeah. Um, um, and, yeah, with the, the juxtaposition of the poor mm-hmm. and the rich and... Um, that also sounds very intentional in Luke. Mm-hmm. I don't think it necessarily has to be one or the other. I don't think it like does. No. I think both are still true. Well, I think that, but I think but, what what to me it did is it said like, oh, my desire to just to just say, oh, it's just poor in spirit. Like, yeah. Oh, oh, clearly that's a virtue. Yeah. Um, was kind of negated by knowing Luke said equally blessed are the poor. Yeah. And 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 feeling like, well, do I feel like God is asking me to try and become poor? Right. Having been poor before, and it was just as bad as you might imagine. Like I, I didn't feel it was like a, a, a an you didn't feel particularly blessed and holy. No. And I think but I think doesn't that like to me that speaks to the heart of the Beatitudes in that these are all categories of people that in the day in the first century, nobody was saying these people were blessed, especially yeah. in the top half. Yeah. If you mourned, it's because you weren't blessed. Happy is the man who has lots of kids, who's sitting around a fire, telling stories, watching the generations underneath him flourish. Yeah. Those people are blessed. Yeah. Like, if you think of Job, like, which was very Brilliant much a reference point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, like he loses everything he's mourning and the response is well how did you screw up yes and it's only when he gets everything back at the end of the story mm-hmm. and when he has all all of these things at the beginning of the story that he's counted blessed yeah. and he's kind of blessed because you know he 
stands firm in faithfulness and doesn't like curse God and die. But like that's amplified by the fact that he gets all this stuff back. Yes. Now, now again, and it, and it beautifully ties in because there is the element, you know, someone said to me once, like Job gets a lot of, he gets his wealth back. He gets, there's more kids that are born. There's all those different things. He still has to walk past the graves of mm. the kids that he lost. There's this, there's this horror to it, this tension yeah. that's in play. But, but it, it, the implication is yes, God is now going to bless you because you're faithful on us. And how is he going to do that? By restoring material wealth. Yeah. Like that's a big part of it. And so for this society, totally spot on. Like, yeah. it's like, this is how we know. Like, yep. So, so I was intrigued, like, as I was deep diving into like the wordplay in the Beatitudes, how the re this word makarios doesn't tend to be used about God's decision to bless people. Right. So if you imagine this, like this, this God in heaven saying, no, I, I will bless you as much as it suggests that God has created a way in which humans flourish mm. and when you jump into that way you are blessed yeah you are macario yeah and, uh, yeah yeah very good like i i just assume that i can't work with the declension with people i'm just like okay i'm just gonna <laughs> just gonna use the base word the the, the root word um so, so i i think this is something that i think hits us in church and I think those of us that have been around for a while, not the educated, but the, those of us that have been formed and developed in the way of Jesus, there's a mental movement that we're able to make with this tension that we almost do without realizing we're doing it. Um, so if you were to read uh, something like Psalm 119, where it repeatedly says something like, blessed is the man who loves your word, who, yeah. you know, t who reads it, meditates on it. The, 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 to use the word like if it used the word baruch there in hebrew the implication would be when you do this god then makes a decision to bless you mm -hmm. he does it and now you're blessed yeah and i think we we don't actually believe that's what's happening even yeah. though even though our language using the word blessed would suggest that's what's happening. What we do mentally is we kind of say, yeah, well, God gave us his word and he's created this environment where when you read it, you are blessed. It's not a transactional, I'm doing it so I can be blessed. And once I've done it, it's, it's not, I got up this morning and I needed God's blessing. So I, I am going to spend some time reading and then he'll do his thing. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's more like, and, and I nearly used this example on Sunday but I felt like I'd used something really similar for a different sermon in a similar way not long ago, um, even though it might have been better here. It's almost like when you think about soil, like I'll, I'll buy, I love buying plants and I'll read the little label and it will say grows best in this kind of soil. Yeah. Um, grows, be grows best in soil that drains well, grows best in full sun, all those different things. And it seems like God has created a way that humans flourish. Mm -hmm. And says that when you do this, you you flourish in life. Yeah. And that's what Makaria seems to mention. But it still seems surprising, I think, because his implication is, because I'm here, 
anybody can flourish. Yeah. Like it, it almost like the 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 boundaries like like if I keep that kind of ham-fisted plant example, anyone can flourish in this soil of the kingdom. It's quite surprising who it includes. Yeah. Um that seems to me some of the beauty of what Jesus is saying here. Yeah. And a redefinition of what it means to flourish yes. too. Yeah. Um Yes, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, like we were just seeing. Not all of this would have sounded like actually good. Yeah. Good options. Yeah. Or a blessed state. Uh-huh. Um, to his listeners of the first century, yes, on a plane or on a mountain, um, and they don't necessarily sound like no. states of flourishing to us, like um, which is you know why we try to find some outs sometimes as we read scripture and figure out what we actually have to do or what's like extra credit, yeah, um, or nice think- for that person or whatever and but think, flourishing is costly yes actual god designed flourishing means that there will be cost and and, and the and, and it seems like almost like with the beatitudes if our expectation is so if if the 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 classic reading of like do this and god will bless you was true like something would change yeah at least in a first century mindset well yes you mourn and you're blessed because you may be comforted but then the mourning will end so then what are you supposed to try and mourn again so you can be comforted again so you right just get a stockpile of ashes yeah there's no promise with the kingdom that when you enter into it your poverty will be turned to richness yeah. In actual fact, no, no, no. Regardless of whether your financial situation changes, you're blessed because you're part of the kingdom. And I am especially for... And that's where I think, like another thing that was really helpful to me in reading the Beatitudes as just statements of who is flourishing or who is to be congratulated, it made more sense of the the corresponding um, promise. Mm-hmm. Like, blessed are you who are poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit, because I'm especially with you in this place. Uh, those those seem to get lost when you're just reading it as things to do. Yeah, because you're kind of like, well, what, what, what do they even mean? Like, what, it just kind of loses it a little bit. Yeah. So so this week I kind of had to turn the corner from this list that that Aaron worked through some of. I tried to work through some of, and then we moved to this conversation of persecution. Yeah. Uh, which is 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 a fascinating one. Um, and I feel like I used this example that I, it was one of those examples that you occasionally use that you kind of regret instantly, even as you're doing it. Cause you realize like you're navigating a whole bunch of history with it and a whole bunch of sort of prescripted feelings. Um, and, and so I was afterwards, I was like, oh. Man, was that helpful? Like, I, I actually don't mind being controversial in sure. a sermon so long as it's in, intentional. <laughs> I, I really mind being accidentally controversial. Um, so I think, yeah, like, so do you know, do you, are you familiar with this story that 
I was using. Is, is yeah. it, you, you followed it a little bit. I can't remember the guy. Someone else, I think the question, I have somewhere mentioned the guy's name because someone asked a question about this. It was Jack something, right? Was it Jack someone? Masterpiece Cake Shop in, in Colorado. Yeah. Makes some great cakes, apparently. Um, oh. Darn it, they were right there a second ago. Our podcast questions. Let's see. Ah, yeah, Jack. Good job. Jack Phillips. I'm a bit confused by your pointing to Jack Phillips as a victim of persecution. I mean, the nuance of the ruling on this, the case might fit that in the Supreme, the Supreme Court found that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission had expressed impermissible hostility to religion and thus violated the free exercise clause of the First Amendment. Amendment. But the common point of view is that it's okay for a business to dis discriminate against the LGBTQ community and by extension with any community they disagree with. In choosing South a number of years ago as my church, it was important to me to have an environment where the times I invited my transgendered child to church, I felt like they would not feel judged for their appearance. Later, I was overjoyed when the church made the two restrooms to be gender, gender neutral. With this message, it seems like the church is going out of its way to say it doesn't care about LGBTQ people. But the Beatitudes were not preached to a holy huddle. They were preached to the community. The people in the LGBTQ community are down and out church dropouts who have been told that lightning might strike them down, who are outside the boundary markers, and in some cases their eyes are red from tears. Those who don't go for overt displays of masculinity, etc., etc., I appreciate your inclusive view of the Beatitudes, but it's unclear why you have to stoke the perception that LGBTQ people are less worthy while making the case for inclusivity. Um, so those questions, I think those questions, when you get those as a pastor, it's like, oh man, that hurts. Because yeah, I don't think, I don't think I would ever go out of my way to try and imply that. But, Again, that's the thing about an implication, right? It's, or at least an infer implication versus inference. Like, um, so to me, it was like one of those examples where I was like, clearly, this is at least poorly communicated or possibly misreadable or all those different things. Mm -hmm. um, so, from what I remember of this, the, this guy's story, he was asked to make a cake for a couple that were getting married once gay marriage was legalized and he said no um and legally he was told you have to was that was that the story is that the um i i mean i'm sure we'll get fact check on yeah this. yeah um i believe he was approached to make a cake for a same-sex a wedding cake uh -huh. for a same-sex couple I think it was before same-sex marriage okay. was legal in Colorado. Yeah. Um, but, like, by the time, you know, the case was actually settled, it was, I think it was legalized everywhere. Yeah. Um, he refused mm -hmm. because, as a Christian, he did not support same-sex yeah. marriage. Um. So I think the couple left, confirmed the next day, I think, that he wouldn't mm -hmm. sell them a specifically mm -hmm. wedding cake. Yeah, I think that's what I heard. Um, they found a cake somewhere else, but complained that they were being discriminated yeah. against on the basis of sexual orientation, which uh -huh. Colorado has anti-discrimination yeah. laws that include 
among other things, sexual yeah. orientation. And I think the argument was because it's a business offering like a public service, essentially. Mm-hmm. Then he was discriminating on the basis of yeah. orientation by not agreeing to perform the service because of that reason. Yeah, that that makes sense. And I, I get maybe it just shows that maybe one of the lessons in this is don't use examples that you're not completely familiar with because I mean I I, I followed it from a distance, but it's obviously very like because it's right here. Right. I mean it's, yeah, like it's very, very local. Like, it's Denver Metro area. I think so. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So 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 very close. Um so so I think the hard thing here is because I the person writing the question, I completely agree with when, you know, when Laura and I first talked about planning a church and then I first started pastoring, like we have a family member who's gay. Our goal was we want to create a church where he feels welcome. Like he could walk in and feel like, no, I can, I can be here and, and I'm loved and, and, and valued uh, at the same time. Like, and we've talked about this, like South tries to hold this grounds of like being that welcoming community but we're actually very self-confessedly not an affirming church. Um, so we don't say that, that actually that, that sexuality, we have said over and over again that we see God's original design for humans as being uh, a marriage that's heterosexual, monogamous, covenantal, and, um, and permanent. Like that, that's the stance that the church overall has, has taken. Now, uh, the beautiful thing there is we have a whole bunch of people that would say, that's not my personal stance. Um, and, and so we're really saying, like, can you submit to the church's permission, a position or at least not argue against it publicly, which always has a little bit of attention to it. Uh-huh. Like, you know, that, I, think, I, think that, I think that's the best way I could explain it. Does that sound like I've missed something there? I don't think so. Yeah. So again, we're we're like we're treading on some like some 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 touchy ground. So I I I, I get I get to another piece and say that that's what that's as close as I can get to navigating us through recognizing that people have different positions and and that that actually gets pretty broad. So when I was thinking about doing ordination in the Presbyterian church I was working at, one of the the things I struggled with is that they had a doctrine that they believed. Um, they believed in election. So like they believed that God chose who was going to be saved. Uh, and I didn't see scripture that way. And so I went to one of the associate pastors and said, I'm just wrestling with ordination because I, um, I feel like ordination's like a marriage. You should like agree and all those different things. And he said, well, I don't believe in election. And I said, well, so how did you deal with like the ordination? He said, well, he said, Alex, I don't agree with everything that any denomination says. Mm-hmm. Like there's every denomination have something that I'm like, no, I, that, that isn't my stance. Like I love to read. I love to think I'm a pretty disagreeable person. <laughs> like I, 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 there's always something. So, so what I did is I said, can I submit to this as I, can I not teach against it during this season? And so he said, I said, I can't. So this is where I am. I'm submitted to that, that point of view. And I, th- I think that's, that's our stance on, on marriage. But we also recognize there's people here that would say, yeah, if it was up to me, uh, I would 
be freer with my definition than that. So, so when you're trying to walk this line between being affirming uh, versus, sorry, being being um, welcoming versus being affirming, I think you quite often end up butting against some of these issues. Yeah. Um, so, so I think what I tried to do on Sunday with the example of Jack Phillips is I tried to to say um, there's probably different views on this in the um, in the community. I was trying to think of an example of someone that has been talked about as persecuted in America in the 21st century. And this isn't a place where there's lots of persecution. Like it's, that's the challenge. Like I was trying to bring it local. And yet, like, I, yeah. I think I read a, um, a, a clip from, from silence. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Beforehand, the, the novel around persecution in Japan. And, and that's persecution, like to the to the ultimate degree. Like really? I read Tertullian talking about Christians being thrown to the lions. Yeah, that's persecution in the ultimate degree. But um, but it's harder to find in modern day America in the Christian world. Like there's lots of things that that I think we say are persecution that aren't, like blasting worship music at 120 decibels at 11 yeah. o'clock in the evening. It's probably not persecution. It's probably the consequences of your own choices. <laughs> it probably is. Yeah. Um, but I tried to acknowledge that with Jack Phillips, like yeah, a bit hard to say. Now I think the the problem with this is that it gets so attached to big political statements and and questions like freedom of religion. Yeah, and I'm probably very unqualified to talk about freedom of religion as a constitutional right because <laughs> I'm not American. Um. But I think the challenge there is that as Americans and people that live in America, there's this expectation that it should be there. Whereas the person we follow said it won't be there or probably won't be there. And Jesus didn't say, unless if you, unless you happen to be lucky enough to live in America post 1776. Right. So, so he almost suggests we should be surprised when there's religious freedom as opposed to expecting it. And when we are persecuted, we should say, um, we should somehow have the attitude, like with the rest of the Beatitudes, of congratulations. Mm-hmm. So so again, like probably a bad example because of the, the political conversation around it. Because to me, the point wasn't really whether Jack Phillips was persecuted or not. It was that he felt like he was, and mm-hmm. other people felt like he was. And, and I was trying to look at this point of view, like when we see that happen or when we feel that's happening, again, right or wrong, very rarely do we say congratulations to ourselves or to the person that we're seeing the persecution in. Right. We usually say, no, like rage against the world. I'm so mad. This shouldn't be happening to me. This shouldn't be happening to them. This right. is awful we lean into our but religious freedom conversation we don't usually say congratulate good on you like this is this is the kingdom yeah um because i think yeah if i was him i think i would have just made the cake um and other people would say i absolutely wouldn't made the cake right but then the tension that i find myself in is i wouldn't have done the wedding but i would have made the cake 
and my reasons i have a uh, maybe there'll be another chance to talk about that but i have reasons that i i've said no i i, I won't do a gay wedding but if anyone i knew and loved was getting married i would be there for them to support them but i don't feel like i would do the sem- i don't feel like i could do the ceremony um and that's like me me i think i hope in the same way that jack phillips was thinking was working through like how am I supposed to follow Jesus in this situation that's difficult? Um, so from what you heard of the question, does that feel like I kind of answered it? I think so. I hope so. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would like... I would probably say to whoever's feeling that, like, certainly, like, I would have, I'm apologizing for using an example badly. And or not explaining it well, I'm, I'm I do that regularly. So that, that's you know. But in this case, it was something that could be perceived as being anti any group of people in particular. But that that wasn't really the point that I was trying to get across. Um, it was more just how we react to perceived persecution. Yeah. Um, we tend to tend to get very angry about it and act more like the way of the world than the way of jesus which according to him is to be like congratulations yeah um which i think is is a little fascinating so that's what i have on that um well thank you for joining today yeah i think i can't believe it's already 45 minutes yeah Um, but um but it was a joy to have you Um, i've been out of shot for most of it by the look of it it's my lolloping Teresa will be able to get more photos of me just uh making weird yeah <laughs> we're now voting in the office on which alex of the podcast do you feel like today <laughs> um the tired one the excited one the happy one the well, all those different things um any closing words any other thoughts on the beatitudes because we're saying goodbye to them i mean are we saying goodbye if we're in the terminal now for most of the year so i at some point they're gonna I feel like they might come back. And I guess I'm going to try and link them today. This week I get salt and light. Yeah. Which feels like another one of those moments where Jesus doesn't seem that fussed about being completely clear yeah. as to what, what he means. Yeah. Because there's all these conversations about salt as a, is it a flavorant? Is it a, um, is it a preservative? Preservative? Is it yeah. a, yeah. And Jesus doesn't seem super fussed. He just wants us to know it's good. Maybe. Yeah. Both, both could possibly be good and true interpretations. Exactly. Yeah. Well, see you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. I got the red couch this week. You got the comfortable chair. Yep. (laughs) Um, And so I'm off to the chiropractor to get fixed um, before the next things I have to do. Thanks, Jessica. Yeah, thanks. See you guys.